0: Hello, and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the topics of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm Nate Mancini, I'm one of the founders of Forefront, and today I am joined by our chairman, Rich Christman. Hello. And the newest member of the team, Sean O'Hare. Hey guys. So, since Sean just recently joined the team, uh, you guys haven't really gotten a chance to know him much. Uh, we did do uh, an episode about his blog entry on the Poet in Motion, so you learned a little bit about what he's into then, um, but Sean, I'd love to hear a bit more about what you love about the arts and Christianity and why you're now a part of Forefront. Yeah.
1: I talked a little bit about this in the previous episode where uh, I was talking about the, the Poet in Motion, um, and it's interesting because I've had a lot of these thoughts, um, that have been present that I've been chewing on for a while, and this opportunity to work with you guys earlier in the in the summer, it really gave me an opportunity to just talk about these things. It gave me an excuse for it, um, and it was it was very refreshing and very encouraging to be exposed to a group of people that were locally engaged in these questions and that were thinking uh, deeply about what that looked like in their own life and how they could. From there, encourage people that were around them and create networks of art that is focused on um, pushing forward the message of the gospel and doing that in overt and also in implicit ways, um, and just kind of creating a deeper layers layers of, of of consistency in the in the the blend between your life and your art, um, and all kind of being uh, under the the. Uh, the leading effect of the gospel. Um, So that was really cool and it was refreshing. And um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very interesting because there's only so far that you can go as an individual um, when you, Mm -hmm. when you don't have an external force or a mind to push and pull on the things that you're creating. Yeah. Um, And so to be part of a group of people that have that laser focus on um, talking about the intersection of faith and art, that really hones you in the things that you're thinking about and you're creating and that you're moving mm-hmm. towards. So that is very exciting to me to have a group of people that can keep me honest and keep me directed in the directions I'm going. Yeah. Um, and uh, just to speak a little bit about things that I'm interested in, um, I, as I touched a little bit on in the, in the previous episode, I really enjoyed poetry, um, but I just all things literary are, are fascinating to me. Yeah. And thinking about ways that we could make those more of a com- a common ubiquitous thing in our everyday life. Just talking right. about those ideas, um, and then music is something that I love a lot as well. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to talk about that in uh, historical ways and just in, and also engaging with newer stuff too. So those I would say those are the two main main things that I'm interested in. So yeah, that's
0: awesome. Well, we're super glad to have you on the team. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to have you. And I think what you were saying about just engaging with these topics in a group um, is, is so good because mm-hmm. we talk a lot about what we, what we try to do for the community and like trying to look outward and how we can be helping others. Uh, but the yeah. truth is, like, at the same time, it also helps us as, as Christians and as artists to just have these conversations and to deepen our love of the Lord and our love for the arts and how we do that better. Yeah. So I know for me personally, it's helped me to grow. Um, and I, I love just kind of watching that in all of our lives. And I, I hope that, you know, this, this group continues to grow mm-hmm. and expand mm-hmm. and, and also, um, influence, you know, all, all of you who are listening, I hope that you get some great stuff out yeah. of this as well. Yeah. It's good.
1: That I was always I good to find kindred spirits. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. As, uh, as Lewis said, friendship is born at the moment when someone says, Oh, you? I thought it was just me. <laughs> no, that's so true. So, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so we are, we're glad to be, be here once again uh, chatting about topics of art and faith. Um, but today, the topic is actually about hot drinks. <laughs> because Rich has, has written a post called uh, Coffee or Tea, Which is the Better Artist Fuel? And so uh, we're going we're to kind of dive into that topic more today. But Rich, on the surface, this might seem to be an odd topic um, at the intersection of, of arts and faith. W- why is this a topic that is worth digging into and what led you to write about it? Right. Um,
2: good question. I think that uh, I got to be honest, and when I first started writing this post, I was actually writing it mostly for myself in order to get the my sort of these jumbling thoughts that were in my head about um, uh, an honest passion of mine which is uh, both coffee and tea Um, and I was thinking I wonder if there is a place for this discussion uh, in forefront and I gotta admit originally I thought no but as I've put more thought into this and uh, met more people and uh, I've, I've learned a lot about um the arts of coffee and tea over the past a uh, few months in the past couple of years in fact and uh i think there's two reasons why this discussion uh fits here and i think one is that truly uh the creation of coffee and tea has been taken to an art level by by a great many people yeah. throughout history and even yeah. though the majority of us just drink it um in convenient ways. Um, there are many people out there that I would absolutely classify as artists and their their medium of choice is um, coffee or tea or, or um, cooking or baking or things like that. And I think those things very much classify as art. But yeah. um, on another level, and you can see this in the title of the blog post, I also think that you would be hard-pressed to find um, artists out there or people out there that are appreciating art and not, uh, run into a cup of coffee or tea, uh, alongside that artist. And uh, while I'm sure there are some of you out there, um, coffee and tea are kind of just inextricably linked, uh, with, with the production of art, I think, and the appreciation of art. Um, you know, the fact that every, every art museum I've ever been to has a, coffee and tea slinging cafe out front where like you grab your, you know, and uh, maybe some of them are, uh, you're not allowed to take the coffee past the, 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 uh, velvet rope, but, uh, you know, people still enjoy it nonetheless. And I think that, um, I, for a while I, uh, was very seriously considering, uh, going to grad school for visual art and, uh, many schools that I visited, you would, you know, I took these tours of like the studio spaces Uh and I remember, and this is years ago. So not when I was writing this post, but, uh, you know, I think of it now, but walking through these studios where there are these people going for their masters or doctorates in particular arts, um, and they're just you know you got all these you know whatever it may be uh, like a sculptor right he's got this table full of like knives and and there's clay and stone and a grinder and all this stuff but then also among those things there's like a uh, French press or something yeah. and, and it's just like
1: like people a milk jug of coffee. exactly exactly and,
2: and and especially in the United Cobra. States um, and and maybe uh, I I've talked a little bit about this in the post and maybe our conversation will lead in this direction again, but um, there's different cultural and there's different cultures across the world for how we uh, look at and consume these, these different beverages. But uh, definitely in the United States, there's a um, with coffee, there's kind of a culture of uh, like, I need this fuel in order to, um, you know, create. And there's this idea like, you know, there's like art, this sort of persona of like, maybe like a, a writer is like up in the wee hours of the morning, you know, with drinking, you know, very strong coffee and like scribing on it. You know, we have this, this, this culture of, of these, these two beverages being kind of companions or sidekicks for, for artists. And uh, as I talked about briefly in the blog as well uh, in the, in the United States, we have sort of a, um, there's sort of teams where, where I think that if you picture an artist drinking a cup of tea, um, I mean, as you're listening, what do you picture in your head? Um, chances are you're probably picturing either like a plein air painter who's painting some soft um, landscape of a pond or something and, and sipping tea, or maybe a writer or a poet would drink tea. Yeah, um, a porch swing or something like yeah, that. You're yeah, right.
0: Whereas Maybe occasionally <laughs> a nice fire. Sure, exactly. Yeah.
2: Whereas when you're drinking coffee, I would picture um, I picture something that's more like a higher intensity or maybe has very active. Yeah. Or maybe has a more risk involved. So like a a modernist painter, like I'm sure Jackson Pollock drank coffee, um, (laughs) you know, and the, um,
0: yeah. Or or even like theater or like, yeah, I was about to say actors. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've, I've done some acting myself and, uh, there's a heck of a lot of coffee backstage, mm-hmm. um, which directors hate because it messes with your voice. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's still there, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, so energy. yeah, so that's why I think I think that really um, there is there is a, a great marriage between the arts and um, hot beverages. So I think that, yeah. uh, and I and I'd love to. It's a conversation. It's something that's around us as as artists and and Christians, and of course, um, to talk about the faith aspect. Um. Every, every single topic in the world uh, you know you can discuss it within the lens of faith because mm-hmm. God uh, is the creator of all things and so God has a relationship with all things so um, mm-hmm. as as estranged as, as it may seem to think that God is connected to that cup of coffee that you drank this morning you know he is in a way so um,
0: God knows how many cups of coffee you're drinking <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, that's great, and I love how you talked about just that—that um, that conversations happen over a cup of coffee very often yes. as well. And I, I know even in one of the other blog entries that you're working on right now, you actually talk about how like like conversations about art mm-hmm. um, and like debates about art have happened like over a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as well as you know stranger circumstances. But um it's something that, you know, coffee shops are now just like a, a bastion of artists in many right. ways. Yeah. Where yeah. artists love to go and hang out at coffee yeah. shops, not not only to get work done, but also just to kind of talk about yeah. stuff and talk and, about art.
2: And there's been there's been an ebb and flow of, of that in history. Um I mentioned this in the post, but I mean uh there's and you'll see this easily with even just a quick Google, but there's a there's a strong connection between the Enlightenment in Europe, yep. um in the early modern age and the introduction of coffee Mm. to Europe, which is a funny, I mean, uh, people, history geeks have made the joke that the enlightenment was always there in Europe, but they just needed the coffee to like kick them in a gear, (laughs) you know? Um, but then after that, I mean, a lot of like the art, um, with the, the, the art nouveau and the early 20th century, like art communities with, um, Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Picasso and stuff. Um, a lot of those, uh, that sort of era in art was famously fueled by alcohol. Mm. But I think that... Um, Should work that into the post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think that our... Um, but, but honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to... This The purpose of this post is not to knock alcohol, but that was a very destructive mm. movement in art. And I think that now our, our culture is veering back where I think that at the center of artistic discussions is more likely a cup of caffeine than a cup mm. of alcohol. So yeah
0: yeah and i should mention that rich has actually brewed us some tea so we're yes. drinking that right now it's a maple blueberry mm. yeah so sean i know you had some some questions for yeah. rich you want to dive in there it,
1: it actually kind of plays off a little bit about what you're saying in terms of artists gathering in, in certain spots mm-hmm. um and just to make a quick comment on that too real quick is like not only do artists uh, gather and drink those beverages together but that's a central place where they display a lot of their art like if you go into any coffee shop you're you're looking at a lot of photographs or a lot of paint paint paintings excuse me that uh that people are seeking to put there at this central gathering place yeah yeah Um, i mean one
2: of the uh i I think that this is sorry to jump in but um i mean people that are within the the world of coffee and tea will be familiar with the term third wave um, mm-hmm. we we are in like the third wave of coffee right now, which is a very NT which is a very minimalist thing. So a mm-hmm. lot of these new shops are very like, you know, white walls and et cetera. But before that current trend of minimalism, um Just throw if, R up on oh, the Oh yeah. yeah. Like like if you um <laughs> yeah those of you that are uh, that are Rochester people, I mean our our oldest um coffee shop i guess that's been like the most mainstay i guess is is full of mm-hmm. art everywhere yeah. um visual art yeah music all sorts of things yeah
1: continue um so that kind of plays into this question that i was curious so um knowing that you are quite the social media guru <laughs> um this might just be a function of my experience because i am not online like a ton mm-hmm. but it seems to me that coffee is the far more like sexy thing on mm-hmm. social media and just online in general. Um, and whereas probably some tea fanatics have carved out some pockets where they're sure. like, you know, preaching the tea, tea gospel. <laughs> um, why is what is it about coffee? What elements within, you know, the, the cultural artifact that it might right. be or whatever that make it resonate so well on social media platforms and just the ways that we interact on social media?
2: That's a really good question. And I feel like there's a couple ways to to think about it. So um, bear with me. I think that the... Uh, so I think I think that when, when we see coffee, like on social media or in movies or, or things like that, like mm-hmm. why do we see coffee more um, as a more like sexy thing, like you said? Mm-hmm. I think the easiest to come by answer for that is that coffee is the bigger commodity of the two in American culture. So like th- that is okay. our American go-to. Um, but that, there's another aspect to that too, which is more historical, which I'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the it boils down to the associations that we have with the two drinks. Okay. And I think that the reason why coffee wins out uh, more often is because coffee's associations are more romanticized, like the idea that this drink is, um, well, first of all, we see it as exotic, mm-hmm. um, but it's also very classic. You know, we people have been drinking coffee in movies. You know, back in the black and white days. Yeah. But it's also exotic. It gives you energy. Mm. So, in in a, in a strange like a springboard to go do adventure right. things. Right. So, in like, a strange
1: which is social media is all about that. Right. It's like, so,
2: in a strange way, yeah. coffee is actually like uh, we in, in coffee flirts a lot with the same kind of aura as like drugs and alcohol hmm. because it, it, it has a strong chemical effect on your body and people. um It, it also has the sort of dangerousness of being, people know that caffeine is an addiction and like people, people <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I Limit mean, live it on
0: the edge. <laughs>
2: exactly. It, it brings, even in a very um hmm. s- subtle way, coffee is like a, risky, dangerous beverage, which brings like a sexiness to it, you Mm -hmm. know? But I think that um, to speak to, you know, putting that association and that history aside, why I think we see coffee more in like social media and stuff like that, uh, I think boils down to the history of the drink and how it has been served. And so if you look, um, I'm on Instagram all the time. And a lot of times I find the coffee roasters and the coffee shops that I like via Instagram more than any other place. And so um, I've, I've gotten into tea more recently than coffee. So I've thought to myself like, oh, maybe I'll use the same avenue to find tea purveyors and tea shops that I like. Didn't work out. And it's been a lot tougher. And so I, I actually, uh, it's funny um, you asked that because I actually looked into that. Like why why is that the case? Um, and it actually is because of how tea um in the West has been served where and why so coffee and it it, it comes to marketing so coffee has been served or at least craft coffee is served in coffee shops where people come to the coffee shop and the sole purpose of coming to that shop is getting Specifically, coffee in whatever form you want, and then mm-hmm. enjoying that, like either with friends or while doing work or yeah. something like that. So, there's coffee, already a
1: strong social underpinning to right, the way a, that it's right. And not the tea is not
2: ways. social, but it's the way that BST is very social, but it's the fact that, like, you coffee shops are out there wanting photos to be taken of them. <laughs> and it's specifically like, we do coffee, and this is what it looks like, and here's cool people that are here drinking it. And it also goes with what, and it also goes with a complete package. Right. And it also goes with what you were talking about before the idea of, um, someone mentioned like the, you need this energy to go do an adventure or like do Mm -hmm. a great thing. Coffee companies in the United States have done a great job marketing coffee as like, okay, I'm going to sit down with my friends and, you know, draft out a screenplay or something like that. We got to do it over coffee. We need we need to be sharp, you know. And we're going to meet in a coffee shop, drink copious amounts of coffee, and then draft out this thing. You America know? runs on Dunkin'. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, well yeah. said. And I think that um, – and so I think that that association makes it very uh, – coffee fits perfectly into social media, particularly Instagram, because of its photogenic quality. Mm-hmm. And it's also really interesting because um, – You'd be it hard pressed now to find a cappuccino or a latte that doesn't have latte art on it. Yeah. Which is really funny because
1: Is that you think is that a, a feature that was developed with an eye for social media type of things? That, like a chicken in the ARC. No, I, I no, no that's what I'm there, about but, to say okay, actually. No, okay, <laughs> no,
2: no, that's great. No, because I um I have family in Italy and I um I know I've never been to Italy myself, but I've talked to a lot of people that have gone back and forth and family and whatnot and um uh, espresso drinks, cappuccinos, lattes, whatever, are are Italian in origin. And they don't do latte art over there. And latte art is a strictly American thing. <laughs> and when you think about, like, it, it makes total sense when you think about it. Because in America, we want things to be flashy. Yeah. And we want things to be photogenic. And so we do the same thing. That terrible. W- exactly. So we do the same thing that we do to our human beings on, you know, people's sexiest man of the year Mm -hmm. where we Photoshop them and make them look as good as possible. So people will want to come and buy the magazine. We make our coffee as attractive as possible and photo photographable as possible, which is really interesting. Um, but that's a whole box to unpack in itself. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, um, just the other piece that I'll, I'll put towards your question though is, um, so I, I did think to myself, um, so, kind of in the West, the, um, the United States is really like the center and has become the center of coffee culture. Even though Italy um, is kind of the root of that culture, the United even many Italians now will look to um, the a lot of the best shops and roasters in the world are are in the states. Um, but the UK in the West is is the home of tea, and so I thought maybe there are tea shops or tea brands in the UK that have a similar social media presence as coffee in the United States. And I looked at that and even in the UK, they really don't. And I I looked into that further. And the reason why that is, is very, very interesting to me is the fact that uh, where tea has been served in the UK, whereas in the United States it was in, you know, diners and coffee shops, Mm -hmm. tea is actually served in the UK in hotels, So where you go to get high tea is in the cafe or restaurant of a hotel. Mm -hmm. So whereas in the States, like I said, it's a coffee company, you know, Blankety Blank Coffee Co. What they do is coffee and that's that.
0: That's the destination. Yeah,
2: whereas when you go to get tea, even now in London, uh, if you want a really good quality tea experience, you're gonna go to a hotel. Which of course the hotel does many other things, mm-hmm. even primarily more so than tea. That's mm-hmm. not their primary th- focus. Yeah,
0: um, and, and even tea is only one part of high tea. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, interestingly, Interesting. when you when you go for a really, even though tea is um, uh, again uh, inextricable from British culture, um, the where you find that culture where it's really about the tea specifically the tea leaf experience and not the whole expanded high tea experience that's really um asian more like chinese chinese and japanese Mm. environments um which is really cool but uh as as i've um mentioned a little bit in the blog post as well um much more so than coffee there are there's a vast diversity of tea drinking cultures around the world and that is most likely because of it's much much older. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first time we have any record of people drinking coffee is about 800 years ago, which is still a long time ago. But people have been the the current considered what is considered the current best practice of drinking tea in the Chinese style has been recorded for literally thousands of years. Okay. So there's there's a lot of history. It's in a tea. rich history. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. That actually, if if I could. I'll throw a follow-up question at you there. That is a perfect segue into the other thing that I was curious about. Sure. As someone who doesn't know a lot about history, but is very interested in it, um, your comment about the the historical nature of both of these beverages was really interesting. And in particular, what caught my eye was your comment about war is being fought over tea. Yeah. Which is kind of a bizarre thought because... Of the docile associations that it has in your mind you think of like right. a porch swing that's tea right mm-hmm. but the, this notion that we're fighting wars over it perhaps
0: there's more to it than these yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the, the idea that it is a uh, big enough commodity right that enough geopolitical players have interest right. in that they would go to war over it so can you talk a little yeah, bit that's about that super you know, interesting I, it is opium
2: wars the opium war yeah no, I love that. That's a and history it, lesson. yeah, and, and also in the in the tea section in the in the blog post, um, mm. tea, tea has been referenced as um, the mover of nations in the past, <laughs> and it is really interesting that in the, in the U.S. we definitely have that association with like poor swing or you're sitting in a chair reading a novel and sipping a cup of tea or something like that, but um, elsewhere in the world, like particularly in the British sphere, um, tea has a much much more like the association that we have with coffee, where it's this bold robust thing that like gives you courage and energy a central
1: cultural peace right sense.
2: and right. it's super yeah. interesting because if you read poetry or essays from the 19th century like at like the height of the british empire um i think of both george orwell and rudyard kipling um they both um so like 19th century early 20th century british yeah. empire era um, they refer the the language that they use to describe tea is something that makes men into lions, mm. where like you drink mm. a cup of black tea and you suddenly have courage and energy and and fortitude and all, which is so interesting because that's not how we picture tea in the states at all. <laughs> yeah, um, which it's is like super, take a nap. Exactly, right. <laughs> exactly, and um, yeah, and it's also funny because uh, I discussed them. Um, the difference in caffeine content so in, in the u.s you think like oh well if i really want courage and fortitude <laughs> i'll have coffee because it has more caffeine yeah um george orwell even addresses that where he says that uh uh he's written a number of essays about it actually and he he george orwell said once that coffee is like alcohol where it gives you a huge boost but then a crash whereas tea is like a Uh, A balance and interesting but anyway so about the international um the mover of nations quality um no I'm by no means a history um authority but it is it is true that uh the so the history of tea falling into the hands of the British is actually based in in war because um in originally China was the only place that grew tea um even Japan had to steal it from China uh which is interesting. Okay. But uh and the Chinese uh protected it with ferocity for a long, long time because it it was a tremendous source of income to the Chinese. Like okay. via the Silk Road and, and whatnot. Um they uh their economy, um America runs on Duncan, mm-hmm. China uh historical China ran on tea, and <laughs> really. And the um and so it's the death. Yeah, so the British during their the sort of Asian bout of their empire they were in coastal cities in China when China was closed off they were in Macau and Hong Kong and whatnot, and they experienced tea as a beverage and the Chinese refused to show them where it came from or how to make it and the British don't Sounds like a good, it. good idea. Right. And the British stop. Smart. Yeah, no, it really is. It's great for their economy and the product. And the the British uh, right. hate taking no for an answer, uh, especially from uh, non-British people. So alongside yeah. the
0: tea, there was trouble brewing. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so they, um, no, and it's actually really interesting because the British offered them tremendous things like tremendous wealth and influence and ports that and all this central, stuff they were like, no, yeah this, and they yeah. said no like this is our great secret and it's really interesting because the the term in chinese for um how to create or how to make tea the proper way is called gong fu tea and uh which is funny because we spell it g-o-n-g-f-u gong fu tea uh, which is funny because it's the same exact as um it's the same root as kung fu mm. so like kung fu mm. is it means the way so kung fu is like the way to fight and gong fu is the way to prepare tea very interesting but anyway the uh so the british uh it's actually there a Scotsman is actually accredited with this he somehow disguised himself as a chinese man i don't know how he pulled that off but he uh, but he actually snuck, didn't talk yeah yeah he actually snuck from one of the ports into china and got a job as a tea at a tea farm yep. and he lived there for like 2 years and learned the way and then he smuggled small tea shoots out of China to, to India what was up. which okay. is very interesting because now India and China have very distinct tea cultures mm-hmm. and it's fascinating because the uh the Chinese were making a ton of money off t- as the British fell in love with tea right away and they were buying tremendous amounts of tea and the um
1: what year what what, what time period was this
2: this is i mean they, they've been buying tea since they first encountered the chinese in like the 1700s but right. then this is the opium wars are in the 19th century later right, 19th okay. century but they so basically that the british are annoyed because the chinese won't teach them how to do tea they they after a number of years they sneak tea out to india and they start growing it themselves in darjeeling which is now if you're a tea fan darjeeling is a common type of indian, okay. indian tea uh, but um and then the British, when the, they meet up with their dealers, the Chinese, and the Chinese are like, oh, here's your next bash of tea. The British are like, well, actually we have our own. And it's really funny because the Chinese to this day have very little respect for Indian tea.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Assam, they call it, um, black tea, and also chai tea is Indian. Um, and that was kind of developed in with both Indian and English minds. Um, okay. So... Uh, yeah, interesting. So so before before that, um, so yeah, and then the Opium War is so the fact that the, the British literally started fighting a war at at land and at sea with the Chinese over tea production um, and the trade of tea because the Chinese were mad that now the British were exporting tea from India to Europe. And the Chinese are like, you cut the legs out from under us. And then, of course, the reason why it's called the Opium War, uh, really low blow on the British end here, but they introduced opium into tea china so that the chinese would become literally too high to fight them and somehow it worked so wow yeah so so opium yeah opium was taken in tremendous amounts and the british won the war yeah so um all that to say that um firstly tea has a very different connotation in this in the rest of the world than it does in in the states and secondly it these things really have been tremendous commodities like it's more than just the the K-cup you make at work when you're feeling, you know, drowsy. Yeah. And, and the same, um, I mean, chocolate is a very similar product too, similar to coffee. And uh, the Spanish Empire, um, the Spanish, uh, I mean, the Spanish are famous for gold and silver, taking gold and silver from the New World, but they also took chocolate from the New World. And that was a tremendous tool for the Spanish to gain influence in Europe, mm. was to sell chocolate, which at that point they had a monopoly over. Um, And coffee as well from the new world.
0: So So when you go to your local coffee shop and drink a mocha, you're actually drinking drinking (laughs) a combination of a variety of cultures.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And coffee, um, coffee has been, now they grow coffee in what they call the coffee belt in the Americas, um, tropical Africa and tropical Asia. But um, that wasn't always the case. Coffee was very, uh, grown in very small like localized areas and mm-hmm. it it was controlled very uh, it was guarded very strongly by the 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 countries and entities that had control over it because of how much people were willing to pay and yeah, uh, yeah and now coffee is a very powerful tool to uh, revitalize impoverished communities in the tropics where uh, there's huge areas in Africa and the Americas that have been like turned around from um, being sustenance farming communities to communities where now there's a ton of money coming in because they've been um, turned into coffee farms to fit, you know, to meet the ever-expanding uh, desire for for yeah. good quality coffee. Um, and coffee grows better. Coffee nerd pro tip better coffee grows at higher elevations so now these areas that had no farming happening in them before in Mm -hmm. central america because you can't grow fruit and stuff at high elevation now they're growing coffee that's some of the best in the world that's uniquely their right crop i mean costa rica for example their economy literally runs on coffee
0: so yeah yeah. even more so than america yeah cool well this has been great rich um really appreciate you you delving into the the details of these drinks with us let me ask you one one more question so when you're embarking on a creative endeavor uh what's what's your Mm. drink of choice and how do you prepare no more on the fence (laughs) so i mean you're on a desert island yeah and you have one drink besides water okay so
2: so I am gonna agree with some people that I've already seen dropping their comments on uh, on our Facebook and stuff. So thank you to those of you that are out there keeping the convo going. But uh, I I I am the guy who like I definitely will pick coffee when I need to pick me up. Like in the morning, coffee it is. And uh, but I definitely uh, I really do prefer tea at certain times of day and at certain projects. So um, and. I must admit, I do buy into the our American kind of stereotypes, but like I'll definitely go for a cup of tea when I'm sitting down to read a book, or I'm gonna watch a movie maybe or something. I to like kind of calm down. Um, I often drink Earl Grey tea in the afternoon at work because it's like it's it's one of the more caffeinated teas, but it's also just very calming and very flavorful. But um, but if I had to pick one, like if it was one of those things where like you can you got to pick one and you you can never drink the other again. Um, I would have to go with coffee. But, um, and the reason why I do that is because even I I love the diversity of tea. Like there's so many different types of teas. There's so many ways to flavor it. It's just, it's great. But, um, I just love the, there's almost a science. There's a science to brewing coffee, right? Or not right. I'm trying not to be pretentious (laughs) here. To brewing it very well and very flavorfully. There's a science involved. Excellent. Yeah. And I just love, I love the science, the precision of the, um, So my my go-to, I really like doing, I mean, I've brewed coffee pretty much every way, but I like espresso and I like um, pour over coffee. I like dark roasts and I use, um, I mean, I'll use a Chemex, but my favorite way to do it, it's actually funny uh, because you wouldn't really think of this, I guess, but I I have a camp pour over that's made by GSI, which is a company for like outdoors gear. Um, and it's a it's a nylon bag for a pour over so you you grind the coffee and you put the uh you put your fresh grinds in the in the nylon and then pour the you know 200 to 206 degree water over it and there's no cleanup involved because there's no filter so you get a very like bold um craft coffee with it and the things on amazon for nine (laughs) dollars gsi pour over yeah but anyway um and that's another thing that I love about coffee too. Honestly, um, is the fact that you can like you can buy these two hundred fifty dollar um, co- you know drip coffee pot machines, and like those are great. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like if someone asked me right now, like p- please make me like the best cup of coffee you could possibly make, I'm gonna use pour over tools that cost me, in- including everything from like the grinder, the you know the kettle, like everything I'm using costs me probably 75 bucks and even if I wasn't using the grinder, like the actual tools to make the coffee cost me probably less than 20 bucks. Mm. So like coffee, even great quality coffee is very accessible. And, um, while tea is cheap, you know, certain tea is cheap. I will say that if you want to have like really, really excellent tea, it does cost a little bit more than coffee. Um, you like if you want to get like a really good ceramic pot and really fresh um like long leaf tea from like darjeeling or Yunnan or something like that that will cost you a little more but yeah so i gotta go with coffee at the end of the day it's too
1: bad you haven't given these things any thought (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. i can tell you 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 haven't thought about these things at all yeah Yeah. (laughs) next time we can go longer
0: (laughs) well this has been great rich thank you so much um and and thank you listeners for listening in on this conversation about coffee and tea just some items to follow up on you can follow rich on instagram at richard christen and you can see some fantastic photos that often involve coffee and tea <laughs> and uh you can you can ask him about his process um you should definitely go to forefrontfestival.com slash blog and read his entry about coffee and tea and leave a comment let us know uh, what's your drink of choice and how do you prepare it And finally, we would ask that you uh, rate us and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Let us know what you think of the podcast, anything that you think we should improve. And with that, we'll see you guys next time.
2: See you guys. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later.